0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word which is truth, your word which is a light to our feet, and a lamp to our path. And we pray as we come to our session tonight with regard to the Passover meal that you would help us understand clearly how Jesus is our Passover, our perfect unblemished lamb chosen on the right day, tested over the right amount of time, and sacrificed for us in the right way, at the right time, in the right place, so that we might know you. And we ask your blessing on our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you would please stand up. We're going to do just the last week of Jesus' life. It starts with your left hand up, with the thumb, which is what? Sunday. What happened on that last Sunday of Jesus' life? We have the what? Triumphal entry. Monday we have the what? Temple cleansing. Tuesday we have the what? Testing of the Lamb, which is where we left off. The Olivet Discourse ends on late Tuesday night. Wednesday is the day of silence. Good. And then we're going to take it upon ourselves tonight to cover the Last Supper, which takes place on Thursday. We're going to say, Last Supper, pretend you're eating a meal. And then after the supper, he prayed and was betrayed. We hope to get to that in our next hour as well. So we're in the Harmony of the Gospels. Uh, This is going to be uh, the preparation for Christ's death, paragraph 151. All of that we did in the last session was the, just a single paragraph, paragraph 150. I hope that wasn't too confusing for you. That's a lot of material to cover. Uh, but I want you to get into now a little different mode. And we're going to see in uh, paragraph 151 the prediction for Christ's death. The prediction for Christ's death. I'll take it from the Mark account. Mark chapter 14, verse 1a. Two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We know, and every Jew would know, this is going to be uh, Tuesday. So we're still on Tuesday before the Passover, which is going to be Thursday night. The chief priests and experts of the law were trying to arrest Jesus by what? Stealth to kill him. Matthew agrees with that. This is on the 12th of Nisan Tuesday, April 40th, 30 A.D., Matthew 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished all, saying all these things, so he's finished with the whole Olivet Discourse, he told his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be handed over to be what? Crucified. This is the fourth time Jesus announces his upcoming death his twelve disciples don't forget that even though he says it over and over they don't get it passover is going to be thursday at sundown the jews do not want to arrest him in a crowd they do not want to arrest him during the feast and oh by the way satan does not want jesus put to death at passover either satan would much prefer jesus were arrested privately and put to death long before the passover so he would not qualify as our passover lamb Number two, paragraph 152, the plan of the rulers. And I would take the word rulers and scratch it out and put the word Sanhedrin there. Now the leadership of the Sanhedrin are the chief priests and the elders. The elders are the Pharisees of the people. They met in the palace of the high priest whose name was what? Caiaphas. Say Caiaphas. They planned to arrest Jesus, here's their goal, by stealth and kill him. So, They have combined forces and they're wanting to kill him. Verse 5 says, but they said not during the feast so that there won't be a riot among the people. Again, the people are liking Jesus so far. He has cleansed the temple on Monday. He has taken on the Pharisees and their leadership on Tuesday. And now, uh, kind of a parenthetical event, paragraph 153, the pouring of the ointment. Paragraph 153, Matthew continues, Now, while Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, and I would probably put there former leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of expensive perfumed oil, and she poured it on his head as he was at table. Now, John tells us who this is. In the John account, it says, So they prepared a dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was among those present. At the table with him. So apparently, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, which we know from another passage, are in the home of Simon the leper. Jesus is the guest of honor, and Mary, verse three, took a three quarters of a pound of expensive aromatic oil from Pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. She then wiped his feet dry with her hair. Now the house was filled with the fragrance of perfumed oil. But. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was going to betray him, these are the first recorded words of Judas. What does he say? Why wasn't this oil sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? This is expensive stuff. It's a year's salary. 300 coins is a year's salary. And then I love John. You know, this is after the fact. And John, the apostle of love, says this. Now, Judas said this not because he was concerned about the poor but because he was a thief as keeper of the money box he used to steal what was put into it that word steal is the word for embezzle so you know that after the fact the disciples had no love lost understandably for Judas now we find out that Jesus has a high view of what's going on here verse 7 Jesus said John 12 leave her alone she has kept it for the day of my what? Burial. For the poor, you will, al- for you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. I think the last time we saw Mary, prior to the resurrection of Lazarus, she was seated at Jesus' feet and listening to his words. You remember that in Luke 10? She was unlike her sister Martha, who was worried and bothered about so many things. And I think... What comes as a result of her posture of sitting before the Lord and listening to his word is spiritual insight that no one else gets. She gets it, that he's going to die. And she's honored because of that. In fact, in the Matthew account, verse 13, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has uh, done will also be told in memory of her. And we just told this in memory of her. So I love Mary. I look forward to sitting down with her in heaven. Now, verse 14 of the Matthew account. In fact, if we need to, we can turn the air up because I'm starting now to feel as cold as some of you look, so that's fine. My wife's got her, at least Gwen's got her hoodie on, but my my Gwen, they're, they're, both Gwens have their hoodies on. <laughs> then one of the twelve, named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, "'What will you give me to betray him into your hands?' So they set out 30 silver coins for him. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. This is a big deal. Okay, This is a big deal. Apparently this waste of money is more than Judas can abide. Some people say, well, he was only trying to do what was right. He wasn't trying to do what was right. He is agreeing to go to the chief priests, the chief priests are the Sadducees, they're in control of the temple, and he's looking for a bribe. Okay. Now again, under Jewish law, we'll see this later, you couldn't make an arrest based upon a bribe, but that didn't stop either of them. And they gave him how much? 30 pieces of silver. Now let me take you to a couple Old Testament passages so you understand how bad a deal this is. Zechariah uh, is is going to use this phrase also, but the first passage I want to talk to you is, is Exodus 21, verse 32, which says, If your ox, or the ox, gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master how much? Thirty shekels of silver. And then, oh, by the way, you've got to kill the ox. So, thirty shekels of silver is the price of a dead slave. Now, Zechariah the prophet is asked to do a very important task. He's asked to feed a a flock of sheep that are about to be slaughtered. And in Zechariah chapter 11, which is another very, very important chapter in prophecy, then I said to them, If it seems good to me, pay me my wages. He goes to the owners of the sheep, the shepherds, as it were. Remember, the Pharisees called themselves the shepherds of Israel. If it seems good to me, pay me my wages. But if not, forget it. So they weighed out my payment. How much? Thirty pieces of silver. The Lord then said to me, Throw to the potter that exorbitant sum. There's sarcasm here in the Hebrew. Throw to the potter. The potter is the lowest of the low menial laborers. That exorbitant sum at which they valued me. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them to the potter at the temple of the Lord. Thirty pieces of silver is what Judas, a disciple, who would seen all of these events in the life of Christ take place, valued his master. Thirty pieces of silver is what Almighty God has himself been valued at by the Jewish leadership. It is a price of contempt. It's similar in a way to the number 13 in our culture. If you ever go to stay in a big hotel, there's no 13th floor. In fact, as the rooms are numbered, generally there's no room 113 or 213 or 313 or anything like that. 13 is avoided. The way 30 pieces of silver, 30 pieces is a, is a number of great contempt, and that's exactly what's going on here. Now, Judas, in agreeing to this idea, is agreeing not just to finger Jesus. He's agreeing to three things. Don't miss this. This is what the betrayal involves. First, he's agreeing to show the Jewish leadership, where Jesus hangs out when he is alone. Because they don't want to take him in the crowd, right? Second, in order to arrest Jesus, the Jews have to get a Roman cohort. A cohort is four to six hundred troops. And a cohort is not released until a witness testifies before the governor. We know the governor of Judea is Pontius Pilate. So Judas has agreed for 30 pieces of silver to show them where Jesus is hiding, second, to go before Pilate and request the cohort, and third, and most importantly, we'll see it comes up later, as a witness in the criminal case. Judas is agreeing to testify in public at the Roman court of law about Jesus. So it's, it's a contempt, contemptuous act done for a contemptuous price, and Judas is not forgiven because of that. Now... The result is that we get to Thursday, paragraph 155. And we're going to celebrate here the Passover. The Passover. And we see in the Luke account, chapter 22, verse 7, then the day for the feast of unleavened bread came on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. That's Thursday night. Okay. And this is 14 Nisan, 6th of April, 30 A.D., Thursday night. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us to eat. They said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? He said, listen, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. Now, why should that be a sign? Because men don't carry water back in the good old days. It was woman's work. So a man carrying water, you'll see him, follow him. And then verse 11, tell the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large unfurnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. Unfurnished except for a table. We're going to talk about the Passover and how it gets served. So they went and found things just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now preparing the Passover was an all-day deal. And Jesus had done a whole bunch of the other preparations along with the owner of this house. Tradition tells us this may be the home of John Mark, who writes the Gospel of Mark. It's also probably the room where the Holy Spirit shows up for the first time in Acts 2. It may be the room where the apostles met to replace Judas after the crucifixion and resurrection. But let me tell you what had to happen in order for the Passover to be celebrated. First, you had to choose your lamb on Sunday had to be a perfect lamb, a male lamb, no spot, no blemish. Second, you would take the lamb to the temple to have him killed on this day, Thursday. Third, you would put the blood from the lamb in a bowl, and the bowls would be passed through three lines of Levites all through the temple because we're dealing with over 100,000 sacrifices here. They would be passed from hand to hand, from Levite to Levite, down one of three rows, and then poured out around the altar of sacrifice sometime between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. So you got there early in the day, and sometime your blood was poured out between 3 and 6 uh, p.m. That was step four. The bowl is pour, the blood is poured out at the altar. Step, four, step five, you would sing the Messianic Psalms. These are Psalms 113 to 118. They'll come into play later. Sixth, you would clean the lamb because you're going to roast it. Seventh, part of the lamb was given to the priest and sacrificed on the altar of sacrifice, the altar of burnt offering. Eighth, you would take the lamb home and roast it. I love roast lamb, and I love roast lamb in Israel. And then ninth, you would prepare unleavened bread, specifically matzah bread, we'll talk about it, a bunch of herbs for the Passover, and a special kind of wine called fruit of the vine. It was alcoholic, it was a special Passover wine. And most of the time, because everybody was in Jerusalem for the Passover, people didn't get to do it indoors. They had tent cities where the Passover was celebrated. Every family had to have their own lamb. If you had a small family, you could share your lamb with another family. By the way, if you ever get invited to celebrate the Jewish Passover with a Jewish family, by all means do it. And if they're Messianic Jews, don't miss it because this is what you're going to see. The Passover celebration called the Seder, Seder is Hebrew for order, is virtually unchanged from the time it was instituted back in the days of Moses. We see in paragraph 160A, the first of four cups. It's only recorded for us in Luke 22 and verse 17. It says, Then he, Jesus, took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. The Passover is a long evening. It's a large meal. And it's surrounded by ceremony and teaching and questions and answers. And there are four specific cups that are drunk during the meal. The first is called the cup of thanksgiving. The host would drink it. Usually if there was a woman present, she'd be assigned to light candles. At this Passover, we're not told if any women are there. So someone lights some candles. There's, a, there's a, benedic- uh, a, a a praise of thanksgiving. And then the wine is shared. That's the first cup. The second cup also comes before the real meal. And in the paragraph 156, which is next in your harmonies, even though it's not in, in the exact right order, I have it 156a, the Passover observance begins. Now, in the Luke account, verse 14, when the hour came... Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. How do we know when the hour comes? Anybody know? How do we know when Passover starts? There's a shofar blown. You got it? Say shofar. Shofar, show good. And Jesus again said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. This is a unique Passover. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is going to be unique to all the Passovers because Jesus is going to be sacrifices our Passover lamb and I take it after the kingdom comes he will celebrate the Passover again with 11, actually 10 of, uh, 11 of his disciples. Now the central event in the Passover is something we're going to get to but before we get to that event uh, go to paragraph 157 next in your harmony is the washing of feet. It's the washing of feet and the first prediction of Judas's betrayal. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come to depart from this world of the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, now he loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress, so the Passover is officially started. The devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that he should betray Jesus, Jesus gets up, pours water into a basin, and washes the disciples' feet. Now that is the job of a servant. Usually a household servant would go from person to, to person, they would have a pitcher of water and a basin, and they would pour the water over your hands. Jesus goes above and beyond that, and he washes their feet. He is the host of the Passover. He should not have to do this, and yet he shows us with his life that his service is ultimate. It's a fulfillment, I believe, of Philippians 2, the kenosis passage. He empties empties himself out here even as the servant would do. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, Lord, how are you going to wash my feet? And literally, Peter asks him a question. Is such a one like you going to wash the feet of such a one as I? In other words, Lord, this ain't ever happening. And then Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And the Lord said, and then Peter says, I'll tell you what, uh, in that case, give me a whole bath. <laughs> Jesus replied, Jesus replied, the one who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, verse 10, but is completely clean. And you, disciples, are clean, but not every one of you. And that's the first prediction of Judas. For this reason, he said, not every one of you. Verse 18, what I'm saying does not refer to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the Scripture. The one who eats my bread has turned against me. Messianic prophet, fulfillment right here in, of an Old Testament passage. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am He. Okay. So Jesus is involved in the messianic, uh, um, in the celebration of the Passover. Now, the next step in the celebration of the Passover is paragraph 158a. Notice there's a word there: carpus. Carpus. It's the carpus ceremony, and it's also the second prediction of Judas's betrayal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke belong there. The John passage does not, okay? You can scratch out old John. We'll find that passage in another place. Carpus are greens, usually parsley or lettuce, and they are rinsed through or actually dragged through a, a bowl with salt water in it. And again, the Passover refers to the coming of the Jews out of Egypt from bondage, and they pass through the salt water of the Red Sea. The greens are young, and they were a young nation. And that's the picture that goes on. And all of this is explained for the one at the Passover. And then, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 21, they're actually reaction, reacting to verse 18 in the John account. I know the ones who I've chosen, uh, but not all of you are clean. And so, in verse 21, while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth. Here's the second prediction. One of you will betray me. They became greatly distressed, and each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. I think each of them had it in themselves to understand the evil that they could come up with. Okay? Uh, The Mark account, verse 18, While they were at table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me will betray me. They were distressed, and one by one said to him, Surely not I. Jesus says, Back to the John account, verse 23. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Now again, at that point, there would be several bowls of salt water on the table. And at that time in the in the ceremony, so people didn't have to get up and walk to the bowl, you would just reach to the nearest bowl. It's clear from this passage that Judas has the place of honor near Christ. Because at this point, he dips the parsley into the salt water and eats with Jesus matthew twenty six verse twenty four the Son of Man will go as it is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for him if he had never been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, rabbi Jesus replied, You have said it yourself Da-da-da-da. pretty 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 heavy duty stuff. Now the next paragraph we go actually backwards or forwards, I can't remember how I did it, to 160. Notice the subtitle, letter F. It is the breaking of the middle matzah. The middle matzah has a particular name in the Passover. It's called the afikomen, A-F-I-K-O-M-E-N, A-F-I-K-O-M-E-N. While they were eating, Jesus took matzah bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. The Luke account says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This ceremony is the second ceremony in the Passover, and it's the central ceremony in the Passover. It's the only ceremony in the Jewish Passover that today does not have an explanation. They have a, a weak explanation, but it's not at all like all the rest of the Passover Seder booklet. Before the Passover meal, the big event or the the big the central event was they would take a bag with three compartments in it, made of linen. Okay, and they would put three pieces of matzah into the compartments. They would they would put pieces into into several compartments if if it's a big bag. If you had a lot of people there, okay. the matzah had to be very specifically cooked for the Passover. And to this day, if you're a Jew and you celebrate Passover, you have to have unleavened bread. That's important. Leaven is always sin. When they left Egypt, they left in a hurry. They didn't have time for the leaven to raise the bread. Second. The bread has to be striped. It's cooked on a grill with marks on it. I think that's a reference because Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. And it has to be pierced. You have to be able to hold the matzah up to the light and see holes through it. And again, Jesus is pierced as our Passover lamb, both by the nails and by the spear thrust in his side. Early in the Passover, the host will take the middle piece and he'll break it. And he'll take the broken matzah, the afikomen, and he will uh, share it around the table. That's what Jesus is doing here. This is my body broken for you, wouldn't he? Now he'll take the rest of that piece and he'll put it in a linen napkin and he will hide it, or he'll have a servant hide it somewhere in the house. Later during the meal, the kids at the Passover will have to hunt for the hidden middle matzah. And again, it's a picture of Jesus who dies for us, who's wrapped in linen, and who goes away for a short time and then reappears. When a Jewish person comes to Christ, all sorts of things go off in their heads. Like, of course that's what it means. But right now they're still blinded to the truth and our job is to love them to the truth. So it's a picture of Jesus broken and buried and returned and resurrected, and then, where were we? <laughs> uh, we were at letter F, the breaking of the middle matzah. And then G, while this is going on and in the, in the, in the, uh, the matzah is hidden, uh, just before dinner is served, we get the prediction of Judas's betrayal, letter G, the sop. And it's only recorded, interestingly enough, in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 23, paragraph 158, I've called it 158b. Okay. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, that's who? John, was to the right of Jesus in the place of honor. So if I'm Jesus, you recline at the Passover. Again, uh, slaves couldn't recline during the meal. So during the, real, the first Passover, they got to lay down and eat sit down at the table. There might have been a table here, but a slave had to stand and serve the whole time. So here's Jesus, and then sitting next to him is John, and sitting over on his left is Judas. So, verse 24, Simon Peter gestured to this disciple to ask Jesus who it was he was referring to. It really has their bug about who's, who's, the, who's the betrayer. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved leaned back. Again, he's leaning back this way, You with me? Against Jesus' chest and asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus replied, "It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread after I have dipped it in the dish." Then he dipped the piece of bread in the dish and he gave it to Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Now, at this point in the Passover, right before you eat the lamb, they would have a piece of pita bread and they would dip it into a, into a mixture that was prepared prior to the prior to the meal. The, the mixture is called. C-H-A-R-O-S-E-T or carouset. And in the mixture were apples, nuts, cinnamon, herbs, and wine. They would let that ferment for 24 hours in a bowl. And that would turn brown. And it would look like mortar. Okay? And you would take the sop and you would dip a piece of pita bread into the sop, and then you'd also dip it into some horseradish. <laughs> I love horseradish, but not like that. And the horseradish makes you cry. And they were to cry over the mortar that they had to make while they were slaves in Egypt. In Jesus' case, I believe the horseradish makes him cry over what's about to happen. He takes a piece of the sop, he dips it, and then he he makes a sandwich out of it, and he gives it to everyone at the table. At that time, verse 27, after Judas took a piece of bread, and I think Jesus probably does this dramatically, Satan entered him, underline that. It's not a demon here. Satan himself enters Judas. And Jesus said to him, what you are about to do, do quickly. Now, none of those present at the table understood why Jesus said this to Judas. Some thought that because Judas had the money box... Jesus was telling him to go buy whatever they needed for the feast or give something to the poor. Judas took the piece of bread and went out immediately. Now it was night. Underline that. Well, no, wait a minute. Of course it's night. We eat the Passover at night. How do we know? Because we don't start the Passover until what happens. What's it called? Shofar, show good? Okay. We're into the middle of the meal, and we're going to eat now the memorial. Paragraph one sixty C, they're going to eat the lamb, and then there's a third cup. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. Matthew twenty-six, verse twenty-six says, After taking the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it all of you. The Luke twenty-two passage says, In the same way he took the cup after they had eaten. This cup is poured out for you. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus has instituted the communion service within the Passover confines. The matzah came first, then they ate, then they had the wine. If you've never done this as a family, it's a wonderful thing. Sometime if you want to make some some very special, meaningful memory for your family, do this. Have a special meal, maybe for someone whose birthday it is, make their favorite and before the meal go around and have some bread and read the passages from here and read the passage from 1 Corinthians 11 we're doing this in remembrance of Christ 1 Corinthians 11.25 there's no mention here by the way of transubstantiation or consubstantiation I don't think there's anything mystical about the bread Jesus is with us regardless of what's going on with the elements and then eat the meal and then take the wine it's a nice thing. It's a fun thing to do. And it's a, mem- it's a memorial of the new covenant in my blood. New covenant, you may just write down there, Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one, In the Matthew account, verse 28, for this is my blood, the blood of the covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Again, he's going to have this, the same... Passover meal with these 11 disciples. Judas has to be gone for the ceremony to take place. And then you would guess these guys. There's, in the Passover itself, there's a time between the third cup and the fourth cup for instruction and Q&A. And, and, and a dispute breaks out. Paragraph 160, 156b, Luke 22:24. 24 a dispute also started among them over which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Oh, come on, guys. And so Jesus teaches them here. Verse 5 of Luke 22 The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Three points. Instead, the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest. Second, the leader like the one who serves. Third, that you may eat and drink at my table. In my kingdom you will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So get your act together, guys. And then the prologue, paragraph 161, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in himself. Verse 34, I give you a new commandment. A new commandment to love one another just as I have loved you, loved you. You are also to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's a different deal. You know, the old commandments were love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, I got a new commandment for you. Love one another as I have loved you. And what's he about to do for them? He's about to die for them. Some people don't love themselves. So they don't love their neighbors. But Jesus says, you, you need to love the way I love be willing to die. In the middle of this teaching time, okay, Peter's denial is predicted. Paragraph 159. Here we go. Letter J. Jesus says, Matthew 26, verse 31, This night you will all fall away because of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised, I will go ahead of you into what? Put a circle around that. Jesus is going to tell them three times, after the resurrection, go to Galilee. We'll see how they do with that command. Peter said to him, if they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Oh boy. Peter... Look at the Luke passage, Luke 22:31. Simon, Simon, that's our boy Peter. Pay attention, Satan has demanded to have you all to sift you, demanded to have you all to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Peter, you're going to fail, but you're not going to fail completely. You're going to stumble, but when you've come back, Peter is the first guy to see the resurrected Christ of the twelve. And so Peter says, I'll never fail. Verse 33 of the Luke account, But Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Peter replied, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me <laughs> three times. In fact, in the Mark account, verse 30 of Mark 14, Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today before the very night, this very night before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. The first cock crows between 9 and midnight, the second cock crowing, this is how they mark time, was between midnight and 3 a.m. I tell you, Peter, that's what's going to happen. And then verse 35, he gives them a commission and repeals some earlier instruction." He says, very, and then Jesus said to them, Luke 22:35, When I send you out with no money bag or traveler's bag or sandals, you didn't lack anything, did you? Nothing. He said to them, but now the one who has a money bag must take it, and likewise a traveler's bag too. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled, and he was counted with the transgressors. And for what is written about me is being fulfilled so they said look lord here are two swords and he told them it is enough remember back in paragraph 59 when he commissioned the twelve don't take a money bag don't take a cloak don't take anything else i'll take care of you and again in paragraph 104 when he sends out the seventy but now he repeals that because jesus is leaving them and now when you go out and minister disciples you're gonna have to have a money bag and oh by the way take a sword the sword they've got there are passover swords they're used to kill a little lamb we're going to see later that's interesting because peter's going to try to use it in a different way but the spiritual warfare is going to be hard for peter he's going to have a long night ahead of him but that's the passover the goal here is to say hey this passover was unique in all the histories of the passover but Jesus used that feast of Israel as he does all the feasts of Israel to show something is very important in his first coming and something is very important in his second coming. In his first coming, Jesus totally fulfilled the feast of Passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the feast of the first fruits and the feast of Pentecost. In his second coming, there are three feasts yet to fill the trumpets, the atonement and the tabernacles. We talked about tabernacles last week. It's my favorite. But not need to know how in control God is. And even with all the craziness going on, John chapter 13, Jesus knowing, knowing that he was going to die, it John 13 said, knowing three things, that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he'd been sent forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, and washed feet. And that's our role model. He says, I've given you an example, John 13, verse 15, that you should do as I did to you. And listen, you can only wash one another's feet if you remember, God's in control, know where you're from, and know where you're going. Father, thank you for the Passover. Thank you for Christ, our Passover, who has sacrificed for us. We commit ourselves to him in Jesus' name. Amen.